0: Hi, I'm Gracie Sarkissian, the Executive Director at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We are excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sarah Rosenthal with another episode of All in a Day's Work. I'm chatting today with Samira Rasool, an NYU alumna and the Director of Product Strategy and Operations at TED conferences. Samira, we're so happy to have you joining us today. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. Can you just begin by telling me a little bit about what you studied as an undergraduate and a brief overview of what you've been doing since?
1: Uh, Yes, my undergrad was in management information systems, which is a combination of computer science classes as well as business classes. After graduating from undergrad, which now seems like a lifetime ago, I started as a programmer and analyst, and then slowly and gradually I moved a little bit more towards project management. That was my very start as a computer programmer.
0: So you've spent a lot of time in the professional world in many different roles, companies, so I'd love to start sort of early on in your career. Can you tell us about some of your very first professional roles and what your experience was like in them?
1: Uh, Yes, as I mentioned, I started as a computer programmer. I was working at that time in a markup language called SGML, which is like the grandfather of XML, if you will. So I moved from markup languages into more programming and more towards HTML, which is also another markup language. So that's how I kind of got into web programming. The second job I took started as a programming job, but then I ended up changing my role at the company into project management, just making sure the overall quality of the work that we were doing was great and then also there was documentation and at that time it wasn't so much formally called project management but it was just the industry was just coming into at that time the digital industry and the web industry so that was a good time to be in and I got as a project manager I also got the end-to-end purview of the whole project and the work which I quite enjoyed.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about why you decided to make that move into more project management roles?
1: Yeah I (laughs) It's an interesting story from my perspective because when I was a programmer, I quite enjoyed the work, but at the same time, I also really, really liked looking at the project from end to end and owning it as a business rather than just like working on a small piece of it. So project management is great in that respect that it gives you like a higher level overview of the whole project. A part of it is, which is an unfortunate part was also because I work with a lot of male programmers at the time. And, and I found that, you know, it, it tended to be an industry where I was given, for example, a lot of bug fixes to do and not really important Project work, which kind of led me more into project management. And I felt like I was more accepted there as a woman lead as opposed to being a programmer. So that's kind of like how my traje- trajectory into project management happened.
0: Yeah, I definitely hear you, you know, being in something that's more traditionally, a male-dominated industry. So many women in the workplace who are going into those industries, even today with efforts to diversify, there still can be a lot of challenges there. Do you have any advice for women who are finding it difficult to either advance in their careers or maybe feel that there's limitations around the kinds of projects that they're getting assigned?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think today, while obviously there's a lot more awareness and, and a little bit progress, It still exists. And if I was to go back, my advice to my younger self would be, A, to either try to really stick it out and be your own advocate. And if you really like doing what you do, then speak up for yourself. Another option, obviously, is to find an environment, find a company which accepts you and has that kind of culture. I had another limitation where I was tied to a company because of my visa situation. So I couldn't really leave as quickly. But if I were to do it again, I would go change the company and be where. I really enjoyed doing what I did and was accepted as a woman and speak up for yourself and just don't, don't put up with that resistance or somebody that sets you back.
0: Absolutely. That's such great advice. And I'm sure it'll, it'll really resonate with some of our listeners. Do you think that specializing in one area versus getting experience in a variety of different roles has influenced the trajectory of your career?
1: Yes. When I started, I started as a programmer. So I was going deeper into markup languages, which I really, really enjoyed. And I think going deep into an area, specializing in an area has its own merit, whereas staying a little bit more on the general side and being able to manage a business or a project or whatever you're working on end to end, which requires a knowledge of all different pieces if it has its own benefits and merit and importance. So it really just depends on what Suits your personality and what you really like doing, some people really enjoy just putting on their headphones and going deep into certain parts of it. Some people enjoy just knowing everything and understanding like how to set the project strategy from the beginning all the way to the execution and seeing that come about. My recommendation is to stick with you know what comes more natural to you, what you enjoy the best, and they both have their own benefits and merits, and yeah.
0: That's a great point. I feel like figuring out what works best for for yourself is is so important sometimes. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience being in the startup world. Can you talk a little bit about what you've done in that sector and what that experience was like?
1: I had two startups of my own. I came from a business background. My family had textile business and import-export business. And so I feel like that spark of owning a business or starting a business and that excitement that comes with it is always within me no matter where I go so I ended up having two startups one while I had my full-time jobs and then the other one was during the time I was doing my MBA I really enjoyed both of those times because you learn so much in the startup world you have to do everything from you know changing your printer paper yourself to all the little bits and pieces and even parts that you don't normally like doing at a job. You have to own all of that. So, and you learn a lot. You learn a lot firsthand by working with people, dealing with people. You have to sell your product. You have to sell your vision to people to come and join you. It teaches you very different skill sets, which, you know, I've been able to also then take to my full-time jobs and kind of kept the same spark within to run the projects and the big programs and the departments that I've ran. So I think that that teaches some really good, important skill sets about like how to work, how to work with people, how to get them on board with your vision and your mission, and how to motivate them on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of Differences between like the startup world versus a larger corporation, but also a lot of overlap, you know, different skills that apply in in both settings. What would you say to students or alums who are maybe trying to decide whether they want to go the startup or entrepreneurship route or if they're thinking more about going in the direction of a large, you know, established company?
1: Again, I think this really, really depends on who you are as a person and what comes natural. If you feel you're entrepreneurial and you'd like to learn a little bit more by being more accountable and taking on a lot more responsibility, I would say definitely go for the startup world. In the startup world, more often than not, you're able to define your own job. You're able to take on as much responsibility as you want. And kind of like often the buck stops with you, as they say, that also comes with other parts where... A startup could mean very long hours. It could mean a lot of sleepless nights. I personally feel that everyone should experience the startup world at least once and work in a startup at least once because it gives you a lot of knowledge around these things about how to run a business and how to make things profitable. And then also be mission-oriented because startups are often about certain mission and vision that you have to execute. In a large corporation, you're often a little bit removed from that on a day-to-day basis, but the benefit over there is you often have people who, who are willing to train you. You have mentors, you have bosses, you have support of other colleagues. So it's slightly bigger teams and very well-defined roles. So if you like more structure and more defined roles, then I would say go for more of the corporate world.
0: That's such great advice. And I actually want to talk a little bit about when you decided to return to school to to earn your MBA, what made you feel like it was the right time to further your education and get that degree?
1: Ah, yes, such a good question. (laughs) When I went back for my MBA, I was actually working for a while. I had been working for about 15 years or so, and I went back to school because I felt that Well, when I first started working, the internet, as they say, was just becoming mainstream. So I feel like I learned everything on the go, at the job. It wasn't really taught in schools. Project management wasn't taught in schools. The things that I was learning, being a producer, being a creative producer, wasn't taught in school. I went back to school for MBA because I wanted to take, take a break after working back to back for 15 years, but then also kind of unlearn and relearn some of the things a little bit more formally. And then another factor that was important in my decision was also as a woman, I think going back to school for MBA for me personally was important to gain confidence, to have a seat at the table and be confident enough to speak. And I thought MBA would give me that. And, and, and it did.
0: Would you say that the degree has benefited you or helped you in ways professionally but but also personally
1: very much so i would say like the degree has helped me so much it helped me tremendously both personally and professionally professionally i'm able to advance my career much more faster able to apply for jobs or ask for roles with a lot more confidence and in my personal life i think i've made amazing lifelong friends from all over the world they're kind of like my family and they're like they're my they're like professional and life advisors
0: We'll be right back to our episode after this quick tip from Carrie
2: Pannoni. I've worked with many students and alumni over the years who are considering making a career change. The challenge is that there's a lot of elements that come into play when we're considering any type of transition, be it a change of industry, a change of job function, or oftentimes a change of both. One of the most helpful ways to get started is to conduct a self assessment and reflect on your own past academic and professional experiences. Your interests and your values can also evolve as you experience new situations. So it's very important to check in with yourself and determine. What have you enjoyed? What don't you like doing? What are you good at? What do you excel in but perhaps don't enjoy doing? And what are your priorities that you have in this moment that would help you make a more satisfying career decision? It's also important to think about your personal responsibilities. Are you location bound or are you open to working in different areas, different cities, states, or countries? Is there a minimum salary level you need to maintain your lifestyle? Are you able financially and time-wise to go back to school if it's required of a career change. These are really important questions to ask yourself during the self-assessment phase. Once you've done that reflection internally, consider next looking outward to explore the market and your options. Take note of the skills needed to be competitive in this new career and identify which skills you already have versus those you would need to learn or brush up on. This will allow you to start to carve out time, if needed, to gain new skills or new training that might be helpful lastly it's very important to remember that every career change is different by focusing on these tips for self-assessment research skill building and networking you can more clearly identify your next steps and build a career change strategy that is unique to you
0: and now back to the episode you you talked a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced in the professional world. Definitely in the last few years, there's been a lot more public awareness around the ways that there are challenges for women and for people of color in the workplace. How has your own awareness and understanding of these issues changed since you first started working or even just within the last few years?
1: So when I first started, or even up until a few years ago, I wasn't as aware, I'll be honest, like I wasn't as aware. And some of it might have to do with I didn't really have much of a choice, I felt because a I was on a visa, I'm a woman of color. And in order for me to stay in this country and continue to work, sometimes it was better just to keep my head down and keep working couldn't really speak up because that actually risked a lot for me personally. But over time, as I gained more confidence, and I advance more in my career. And once I got my green card and got my footing here in this country, I make sure now all the women that either report into me or I mentor or I work closely with, I make sure to speak up because I wish I had that kind of support system for me. But not to say that we can't provide that for others. And to me, I think it's important. I think it's important to, A, speak up. I think it's important to stand up for each other. And I tend to do that
0: often. So I think that's kind of how I've evolved and changed over the years. I mean, that's really beautiful. And you have throughout your career, you worked so hard and and in so many different capacities to make it to this very senior position where you have the opportunity to mentor and help women and and people of color and folks who are here on a visa, you know, people who maybe 10 or 15 years ago might not have had the same kinds of opportunities or, or support systems that they have now in you and in so many others can you talk a little bit about what your experience has been like with mentorship
1: Uh, yeah so I I make it a point to try to like give back I think that as you advance in your career it it becomes our duty to look out for the generations behind us and to provide them that support system so I, I do that anybody who wants to learn anything for me that's first and foremost like anyone who wants to learn anything have ambition in their career, want to advance, I want to support them. I want, I would like to support them. I, I mean, people that report into me, even, even in my own department, if somebody says, I'm not that happy, or, you know, it's like, I would like to do something different. I make sure to either help them find a different kind of role that they really would like in our department or organization. And if not, then I've often even helped, my mentees in getting new jobs or finding the right fit elsewhere. So I think it's important that people are happy. I think it's important that they're able to find work that suits their personalities and their skill set and what they really want to do, because only then you're able to excel yourself. These relationships, whether you're a mentor to somebody or your colleague or an advisor, these relationships to me are lifelong. The way I look at it, jobs come and go, but these relationships and your network is there forever. So I think it's also supporting others and mentoring them is also quite beneficial.
0: So for anyone who maybe is looking to find mentorship within their company, or maybe for folks who are looking to find ways to advocate for people who are early on in their career, do you have any advice for for either of those groups?
1: I think just ask, like ask the people, it doesn't have to be directly in your department or in what you do, but find good role models, find people that you identify with, and then just ask, you'd be surprised how many people are willing to be generous with their time or are willing to go out for coffee, find out how they got to be where they are and what is important to them and how do they conduct themselves in their daily business lives and what their philosophies are and try to learn as much as possible. Because mentorship also, it's an important thing to remember, mentorship is also a two-way street. So while I mentor a lot of the younger generation behind me or people that report into me, I also learn a lot from them. I learn a lot about the challenges that people who are just graduating or just barely out of college now face. They're very different than back in the day, the challenges that we had. So so for me, it's also a learning experience. And then you make lifelong friendships. So I think, look at it from that perspective. It's really about connecting with another human being. And that's the most
0: important part. Well, I think building connections, definitely a lot of folks want to do that and sometimes really struggle with how to have that initial conversation. So, for anyone who's listening, do you have any sort of advice about the kinds of messages that you've received from from people looking to reach out, you know, what allows you to understand what they're what they're looking for in building that relationship?
1: Yes, so I do get often approached by people that I may not have had any interaction previously with. For example, on LinkedIn, I try to respond to every single person at least and let them know whether I'm able to help them or not. And I think it's also important to understand that you might ask somebody, they may have a lot of ask on their time. So be conscious of that as well. So if that happens for me, I try to always get back to somebody and say, You know, I may not be able to support you right now, or maybe in a few weeks we can connect. So just be okay with that. Often the way to approach that is also come with specific questions or a specific ask because that would really help the other person to know what you're looking for. And it just makes it really time efficient and really focused conversation. I don't think that there is anything wrong. If somebody was to approach me and ask very specific questions about what they wanna know, I'm happy to help and I'm happy to answer. And that makes it much easier for me to know what to respond with.
0: My last question is just what is next for you? Well, right now
1: I'm at TED and I'm really working on putting certain frameworks in place, certain processes and products that are about to go out the door. So what's next for me is just continue to learn. I'm going to continue to learn as much as possible. It's, it's almost like a lifelong pursuit for me. I'm going to continue to grow the products at TED and work with my colleagues and my team on that. And I'm also working on putting together a lot of frameworks in place that could help organizations, not only organizations like TED, but also other people who are looking to get into product management, what those kind of playbooks might look like. So those are some of the things that I'm working on.
0: Well, that sounds so great. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the future has in store for you. So thank you so much for for speaking with me today and sharing how you've really built such a successful career.
1: Thank you so much, Sarah. I really enjoyed speaking with everybody. Thanks again.
0: This has been Sarah Rosenthal with All in a Day's Work. See you next time. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log onto our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Sarah Rosenthal, with episode guest, Samira Rasool. We're produced by Miriam Miller and Lily Smith, edited by Lily Smith, and created with support from Nia Resford, Daniel Crystal, Haley Garofalo, Joseph Mercadante, and Carrie Pannoni. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening.